As she sat, she moved the beam of the torch slowly over the paving stones. And then she saw them. The new hatching. Tiny, perfect snails, each of their shells smaller than a split lentil, were hurrying across the damp stone. Probably it took experience to notice them. People nipping out into their gardens at this hour, to get in the washing or call the cat, could easily tread unwittingly on a few hundred of them. These snails were too small for their deaths to be signalled by a crunch. Georgia was enthralled, as she regularly was. It was as wonderful as those warm, damp April evenings when, sitting on her step, waiting patiently, she heard the waking snails begin to eat. And then, moving the torch, she saw them. The fortunate, or possibly wise, snails that had survived the winter. That was an inspirational moment. The April event spoke of the restoration of life, of survival, of perseverance, almost of resurrection. Invariably, it held Georgia breathless with admiration. These snails had come through, probably in numbers about equal to the many empty shells that lay about them. The September event did not move Georgia to silent applause as did the April one. It was not about courage and recovery, but it was about new and tiny life, and as such it stirred her soul to its depths. The baby snails were so intrepid and unafraid. They sped along the ground so perfectly. Georgia always wanted to feed them, perhaps with damp porridge oats, but she knew she must not because it would interfere with nature. Some of these would have to die, in order that there would be room in her garden for a viable colony. Now she spotted a minute snail, which had climbed up onto her shoe. She held out her finger to it. Its head waved as it encountered a new dimension. Then... It quickly and vigorously scaled Georgia's finger, and she looked closely at it, before placing it with the greatest gentleness on a leaf. For all her knowledge, she had never found out why the newly hatched snails had darker shells than their tabby parents, and bodies of a darker grey. She checked her shoes and lower legs carefully, then went into the house. She telephoned. Harry, she said. Yes, said Harry's voice. It's Georgia. Would you like to come over? The snails have hatched. The phone was disconnected with dispatch, and there was an almost immediate ring at the doorbell. Georgia and Harry went through to the garden, and together in awed silence they sat on the step, Georgia sweeping the path with the torch beam. Do you see them? Georgia asked. I told you it would be soon. Harry suddenly did, and his body jerked with delight. So tiny, he said. So tiny, but real snails. Exactly. Would it be all right if I pick one up? Better just to watch. 
They are incredibly fragile at this age. They watched. Then... There's a shell that isn't moving, Harry said, with no snail. It may have died, said Georgia. It may have dried up somehow. Let's see if we can revive it. She stood up carefully and got a saucer of water from the garden tap. The water was very shallow. Pick him up and put him in the saucer, said Georgia. Harry picked up the snail with estimable care, and Georgia's practised eye saw that it had withdrawn deep into its shell, presaging death. Harry put the snail into the saucer. Georgia moved the saucer about a bit so that the water almost engulfed the snail. They watched.